The Pope is awesome. Just like Pope, Popeness is amazing, dude. <clears throat> Straight popery. Yeah. Pope. You papist. <laughs> you papist. You dang papist. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Tyler Byrne had a great commentary on that. Um, I think it was around this World Youth Day in Brazil. Or it's, you know, what? how many people were on the beach, like, did they say three million, or was that like the initial report or something like that? I can't remember. It was supposedly the second biggest public mass in history or something okay. like that. Well, however many, it's like, and I think a couple, um, like, and I don't know what ones, but a couple news or media outlets were trying to pitch this like, oh, the youth love Pope Francis. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like, it's this new super pope, you know, and it's like, I, I definitely agree that the youth and um, I would say, yeah, a, a ton of people love Pope Francis. I love Pope Francis. But uh, but they were trying to pitch it. It's like, okay, finally, like we got a Pope that's going to usher in like this new wave of Catholicism or whatever. And uh, and then Father Barron was just like, he kind of like went through like some of the numbers of you know, world these days that Pope Benedict had had. Mm-hmm. And it was like, when, is, when are people going to wake up? It's like, Pope Francis, yes, is wonderful. Like, he's great. But, like, our youth love the Pope. Yeah. Like, doesn't matter who the guy is. Like, they see their father in the Pope. And that's it. So, it's very true. Pope rules. It is. The Pope. Papist. You dang Papist. Uh, Father Barron had a great commentary on that. Um, I think it was around this World Youth Day in Brazil, where it's you know what? How many people were on the beach? Like did they say three million, or was that like the initial report or something like that? I can't remember. It was supposedly the second biggest public mass in history, or something okay. like that. Well, however many, it's like, and I think a couple, um, like. And I don't know what ones, but a couple news or media outlets were trying to pitch this like, oh, the youth love Pope Francis. You know what I mean? It's like, it's this new super pope, you know? And it's like, I I definitely agree that the youth and um, I would say, yeah, a, a ton of people love Pope Francis. I love Pope Francis. But, uh, but they were trying to pitch it. It's like, okay, finally, like, we got a pope that's going to usher in, like, this new wave of Catholicism or whatever. And uh, and then Father Barron was just like, he kind of like went through like some of the numbers of, you know, World Youth <clears throat> Days that Pope Benedict had had. Mm-hmm. And he was like, when, is, when are people going to wake up? It's like, Pope Francis, yes, is wonderful. Like, he's great. But like, our youth love the Pope. Yeah. Like, doesn't matter who the guy is. Like, they see their father in the Pope. And that's it. So, it's very true. Pope rules. And another thing. Have you heard the story of when uh, John Paul II brought the fallen away priest to his um, apartment for dinner? No. 
So he, have you heard this? Wait, a I fallen, think so. A fallen away priest. Well, uh, so the story begin. How I heard the story <clears throat> is that this guy, this priest, I maybe from the states, from somewhere, had I think gone to school in Rome, had gone to seminary in Rome. So he's back there for like a conference, and he's walking. Um, on the last day of this conference, they get to meet the Holy Father. They get to meet JP two. Okay, so he's pope at this time. <clears throat> yep. So JP two is pope. And this priest, like one of the last days of the conference, is walking by. He's walking to St. Peter's, and this is a, there's this beggar on the street. And he recognizes the guy and realizes that it's a priest that he went to seminary with. That Carol Voitiu. No, no, no. So the priest, the priest on the so Okay, this is yeah, okay. This is still the priest. Um, and so he's like, oh, what happened? You know, so he goes up to the guy and he's like, what? You were literally ordained a priest. I don't know if he was a priest of... I think he might have been a priest of Rome. And uh, somehow he knew this other priest. And, and the guy was just like, well, you know, I kind of lost my faith along the way and fell on some hard times. And now so he's not... Obviously, he's not a practicing priest and he's just a homeless guy in Rome. And uh, so anyway, the guy was like... This, the, the priest from... Let's say he was from the States, the guy at the conference. Yeah. He's like, okay, well, I'm going to, like, you know, come find you tonight, and but I'm going to go finish up this conference, blah, blah, blah. So he goes to the last day of the conference. He gets to meet JP2 at the end of this day. And so JP2 is, like, greeting all of the priests at this conference, and the guy um, gets, you know, a minute with them or something like that. And he's like, Holy Father, please pray for my friend. Like, he, he was a priest. He is like falling away from his faith. He's living homeless. I saw him. Tells him the story, and he's like, "Please pray for him." And John Paul II was like, "Okay, I will." And uh, <clears throat> so anyway, at the end of this conference, the Pope's secretary comes up to this priest, and uh, he's like, "Hey, the Holy Father would like to have dinner with you and your friend tonight." And the guy's like, "What?" <laughs> so. Um, <clears throat> So anyway, so he like runs back and he finds this guy. He's still, you know, where he was on the street. And he was like, hey man, you, we, we're having dinner with the Pope tonight. <laughs> it doesn't matter that you lost your faith. Yeah, yeah. This is sweet. Yeah. And so, and I guess the guy was like, oh, like, look at me. I'm not going to have dinner with the Pope. And I guess the priest was like, no, you don't understand. You're my ticket. <laughs> I'm using yeah. you right yeah. now. You're going to have dinner with the Pope tonight. So me, he, sir. like, gets him, you know, he, um, like, gets him a hotel room or something like that, gets him cleaned up, fresh clothes, etc. And he takes him to dinner, you know, at the Vatican. So it's it's this these two priests, the one that's living homeless and the guy that was at the conference, Pope John Paul II and um, the Pope's secretary. The four of them are having dinner. And at one point during the dinner, John Paul II starts, like, motioning at the priest at the conference. And he doesn't know what he's trying to do. And so the, the his secretary, like, gets up and he tells him to follow him. And so those two <clears throat> go out in the hallway. And so it's the homeless priest and John Paul II yeah. in, the, in the dinner, <laughs> like, at the dinner table. And so they close the door <clears throat> and... Uh, this priest asks, so the priest at the conference asks the secretary, he's like, um, what's going on, etc. And he's like, well, I don't know, but I know that the Holy Father wanted some time alone <clears throat> to talk to this priest. And so like 10 minutes later, um, 
they John Paul II opens the door, they go back in, neither one of them say anything, and um, they finish dinner, like got to have dinner with the Pope, blah, blah, blah. So they leave the Vatican, and so this priest that was at the conference asked his friend, this homeless priest, was like, okay, you got to tell me, like, what happened? Like, when we shut the door, what did you and the Pope talk about? And he's like, you're not going to believe me. He's like, tell me, tell me. And uh, I guess, so John Paul II closes the door, and he just goes up to the guy, and he looks at him, he's like, Father, I would like you to hear my confession. <gasps> oh my gosh! And, uh, and so the guy, like, thought he was, didn't know what to say, and he was like, I, I can't, like, you know, you're, you're the Pope. And he was like, no, I would like to hear your confession. And, no, uh, like, I'd like you to hear oh, my confession. I would, like, I would like you to hear my confession. This Holy is the Pope to the priest. <laughs> and, uh, and I guess the guy was like, the guy was like, no, like, I don't even know if I have my faculties. And I guess John Paul II was like, um, if pope. I say you have your faculties, <laughs> like, you have your faculties. And, uh, Do we have to check with anyone? Yeah. <laughs> um, and anyway. The, I, I need to call my bishop. <laughs> I need to talk to my bishop first. But the, the line that always is just like, just hauntingly beautiful is that the guy was like, I can't, Holy Father, like, I can't hear your confession. I'm just a poor beggar. And I guess John Paul II looked at him and said, so am I. And, uh, and the guy heard his confession. And then the guy asked John, the guy asked John Paul II to hear his confession. And John Paul II did, like, fully reinstated him as a priest, and the guy's like a priest in Rome now. No way! Isn't that insane? That is <coughs> oh my the gosh. coolest story I've, I've only heard. heard I've only heard the last little part of it, mm -hmm. but not all those details. That's crazy. Yep, so that's when I, I remember it because it just, it drilled me the first time I, I uh, heard it, but just that line, it's like, the guy finally, the guy finally just kind of being like, listen, Depart I'm, from I'm, me, I'm a sinful yeah, man. Yeah, like, I'm not going to hear your confession like I am I'm a beggar that lives on the freaking street you know like I'm not gonna hear the Pope's confession yeah and I guess John Paul II was like oh that's so, so mind-blowing dude that's ridiculous that's why the guy's a saint mm -hmm. <laughs> holy cow <laughs> wow you know what I was thinking is uh the Pope he does awesome stuff like that all of the time. <laughs> well, just being Pope. It's just like... You're, it's, it's so much easier to do awesome stuff if you're, you're a humble guy. Because people are like, but you're the Pope. Yeah. Oh if you just act like God. a normal person, they're like, ah, Yeah. Oh, that's money. You're so humble. It's yeah. amazing, man. Just a couple Pope like, tricks. You hear about... But see, I mean, obviously there's some very saintly bishops and priests and, and even lay people like there's saints all over the place but like how many people would have that understanding of god's mercy and and just not like here's this guy like he obviously ran into some trouble somewhere whatever it may be to the point that he went from being a practicing priest to living homeless on the street you know without any um like mental issues or whatever and like your mind just immediately starts going to like you screwed well, up. Well, yeah, you screwed up, man. Like, you got to start taking care of yourself. Like, eventually we might, you know, get you back to confession and at least get you, like, practicing again. Mm -hmm. And, but in, like, John Paul II's mind, it was just like, you're you're a priest. And, mm -hmm. like, yeah, come back. Yeah. Right now. 
right now. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's also, we get to see JP, that's JP going to that guy yeah. on a number of occasions. You're coming to eat with me, mm-hmm. okay? Which is similar to, hey, I'm coming to eat over at your house, Zacchaeus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, y'all, get out of here. Buddy, you're here in my confession. <laughs> I want you. Christ needs your soul. You're, yeah. you're a priest. You're a priest for the church. You know? Listen, I'm your boss. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is allowed, your holiness. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like I say what goes here. Yeah. <laughs> you hear about you know, super like celebrities and they'll, you know, tip like a hundred dollars on a receipt and people are taking pictures of it, like, oh my gosh, what a great person and all that. The popes, like, they do amazing things all of the time. Yeah. When Francis was caught sneaking out of the, va- the Vatican... Was he really? Yeah. And her, early in his papacy, he was sneaking out to try and, like... Like, did he leave with... pillows under his covers to make it look like he was in the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hey. He had one of the mannequins that he would put out on the balcony. That always with the arms up, up. You, know, yeah. you know who else there are stories about... So, Father Norris last year said he was, like, the last 100 years in the church has had a string of popes, like, unparalleled in history. Yeah. So he said, like, we don't, especially, I mean, he was talking to, like, the seminarians at the table, he's like, you guys don't understand how good the popes have been in your life. He was talking about our lifetime, so just JP2 and Benedict. And, and like, now you throw Francis yeah. in that mix. But even, you know, you go back to, like, St. Pius X, mm-hmm. you know, the popes that carried us through the world wars, um, you know, John the 23rd is going to be a saint, yeah. uh, in April, <clears throat> but you know, Paul the sixth wrote humanity vitae. So, I mean, the list goes on, but, um, the, the whole notion around Pius the 12th, I kind of have a devotion to him. There's this really cool statue in St. Peter's. It's off to the right when you go in and it's kind of, I mean, I use like quotation marks to say it's obscure cause it's this huge, like master masterful work of art but at the right. St. Peter's is like oh yeah cool statue yeah you know? <laughs> but he's got so he's got like his glasses on that he always kind of typically has on in, in art of him and and then he has this huge robe on like this huge robe and so the the tour I got one of my times when I was in Rome took us to that statue and he talked about how I guess Pius Twelfth would oftentimes wear like these like very long kind of you know elaborate robes yeah and he said that um a lot of people thought it was because he was like you know this this old school priest that thought he was the pope and needed to be like adorned and all of this but it was because he had hidden so many nazis in the vatican that's i'm sorry so many jewish people (laughs) in the vatican that when the uh Gosh, that's a funny, that's yeah. funny slip. <laughs> yeah, <Whoops>. <laughs> <laughs> These Nazis under the robes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so he had hidden so many Jewish people in the Vatican that when the Nazis would come, sometimes they couldn't get hidden fast enough. So supposedly, on multiple occasions, he had Jewish kids hiding under his robes while talking to the Nazis. No way. And and now their story, so he is the one that has been dubbed like Hitler's Pope. Right. Which is just crap. Like I heard a, a history of where that came from and it's literally like just made up stuff. That, it's like, from a play that it's someone from a, wrote. It's from a play that someone wrote. And so it's all false. And then on top, but then you get this like, in a sense, rumor from a play that yeah. some nobody wrote. And uh, 
and it's all false. And he supposedly would dress up as a Franciscan during World War II, and he would sneak out of the Vatican and go help the poor. No way. Yep. Golly. It, that's the... <clears throat> um, I'm going to mess up the name, but the Scarlet Letter? Scarlet in the Black. The Scarlet in the Black. He's Scarlet the letter. That's right. Novel by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Yeah. Okay. It's about a Protestant minister that gets a lady pregnant. Are you serious? <laughs> so you're thinking of a different story. Yeah. You're thinking Can I just of... say that right now I'm think I'm I'm picturing sort of the humorous uh, Hogan's Heroes version of Pius the Twelfth with a bunch of Jewish kids under his cloak while like Lieutenant Schultz is interviewing him and making sure that he's not <laughs> hiding Jews. And like one, one of the kids sneezes like. Pisa <laughs> Tom's like, oh, I have a cold. Yeah. <laughs> or like, I'm very yeah. gassy today. <laughs> it's hard not to. Like, what was that? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, man. <laughs> but yeah, he is. So in the movie The Scarlet and the Black with He's Gregory the, Peck. Right. Um, which that guy, Sorry, that guy, that Monsignor was a real guy right, as well yeah, yeah, during yeah. that time. But uh, yeah, that's a. That is Pius the Twelfth. So he has like the glasses. He's kind of a skinny dude. That's yeah. that's him. Yep. It's amazing, man. And that's it. I guess that's the thing with uh, church history. You know, and you just look at the the amount of time that the church has existed and how long it takes for us to understand the beauty of things and different documents. Uh, but even the the persons as well. You know mm-hmm. how how long it takes us to understand what an influential figure mm-hmm. these people really were. Like. Francis himself is still Saint Francis, not Pope Francis. We're still figuring out what how incredible of a saint he is. Yeah. You know, sort of like the more his legacy lasts, the more you can see this impact of this great man. Same with Ignatius of Loyola, you know. His spirituality, you know, his discernment of spirits, his uh retreats that that he created, the Ignatian retreat, that's gonna have an effect on the church that you know, we'll never know how how big of an effect that was. Mm-hmm. But the more that time progresses, the more we can see these saints and these people were huge. Like theology of the body, we may have no clue the impact that that is going to have on the rest of history. Or Pope Benedict, you know, his work, all of his writings, all of his theology, especially in terms of the, the liturgy. Two books a year that he would write right. for his whole life. <clears throat> Yeah. There's no telling yeah. the impact that, I mean, especially with the liturgy, you know, 50 years after the council, what an impactful time, what an important time. It'll be 150 years before, you know, we look back and say, Pope Benedict the Great was yeah. writing this stuff at a time that the church needed it so bad. And we're mm-hmm. still going back and referring to those things, you know, Leo the Thirteenth, you know, the the late 1800s, yeah, Rerum Navarum was at 1890. George Weigel says that that was the start mm-hmm. of the Second Vatican Council. Mm-hmm. When, um, was it, it wasn't Defino Fonte Espiritu. Well, that's when he started to open up the Vatican and yeah. allow different scientists to come in. You know, this is a long progression of church history that really unfolds itself mm-hmm. as time continues. Yeah. That only the good Lord knows. Well, that's funny. When you look at church history, too, like... <clears throat> I mean, there's the good stuff, which is kind of what we're talking about. Right. But there's a whole lot of bad stuff. What? Um, Are you serious? That I like, in the so- short term always looks like, oh, this is gonna sink us for good this uh-huh. time. Yeah. A bunch of priests molested kids. 
good luck church getting out of this one. Yeah. It's like, well, if you take the long view, uh, there, there have been bad priests, bad bishops for a lot of really bad times. That's, but the that's one honestly that, one of the things I've learned a lot about in seminary is just how like <laughs> crazy bad some of the stories are <laughs> around the church. Like, had I heard them like three or four years ago, it would have shattered you. Shattered me. And like, it's just funny, you know, so, so as I come to the like seminary to, you know, be a priest and save the world and like blah, 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 that, uh, you have these notions coming in and then it's just like these stories like, what that, that's not the church. That's yeah. not, that's not true. That cannot be yeah. true. And then it is. And you're like, oh crap. That yeah. sucks. Well, the funny story is that Napoleon, you know, he, he kidnapped a Pope. I forget which Pope it was, but. Um, you know, when he was trying to be the emperor of France and take over the whole world, mm -hmm. he didn't have much time for the Catholic Church, especially after the French Revolution it was decapitating all these priests and everything. And he kind of rose to the top. So he uh, he said to was some cardinal in France, I forget who said it, might have even been the Pope that he kidnapped. I uh, said, you know, I'm going to destroy the Catholic Church in my lifetime. And the Pope looked at him and he said something like... Uh, Sir, what the bishops and priests have failed to destroy in the last 1,800 years, you surely will fail as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, true, man. Uh, but it is, I have yeah. heard Father Barron say it's the, you know, the past 20, 30 years with the scandal has yeah. been the scariest time or the most devastating time in church history. In American church history. In, okay, is that, mm -hmm. that, okay, in American church history. Yeah, because there's parts of the world where the church is... Uh, you know, you look at the African subcontinent, India, the, these places that are just like the Catholic numbers are growing a lot. Yeah. Um, and they're pretty much unaffected by this. And, and their cultures are are not as critical of authority and things like that. See, one of the things about Western Europe and, and um, the United States and all those cultures that kind of came from Western Europe is that we went through an enlightenment and... Uh, sort of now agree that democracy is like this eternal principle that um, is God-given, partly, be, you know, it's enshrined in our founding documents that God gave us these inalienable rights and self-government is it good in itself and things like that, which they are goods, but, um, you know, one of the things that is a byproduct of thinking that way is that who are you to say that you speak for God? We all just are going to agree on, I mean, it's like checks and balances. We're all going to put our vote in. Everybody gets to choose what the meaning of life is, their pursuit of happiness. And then whatever kind of comes out, as long as the government just keeps order, defends us from foreign invaders and, you know, polices the transgressors on the inside, then we can all just kind of live in peace in this pluralistic society. But not everywhere lives like that. Not everywhere has gone through an enlightenment. And, uh... You know, you're even in the Holy Land, man. It was it was interesting because people would say, first of all, talking about your religion was not taboo at all. Like, if, you know, they say at parties, don't talk about politics or religion because those are very personal things for us. What you believe politically or religiously is a choice that you've made, and you don't necessarily have to have the same beliefs as your family or your friends or anything like that. But man, over in the Holy Land, it's like you don't have to go to church more than once a year, but you're a Christian. Gosh darn it, because yeah. I'm not a Jew and I'm not a Muslim. Yeah. 
because they're living around those the people that have very different worldviews than them, and so, uh, and and it's a culture. It's a it's in some cases a race, like an ethnicity, for the Jews and the and the Arabs. Um, so your your religion kind of defines you in the group that you're in, not so much a personal conviction that you have or anything like that. Um, but one of the things that's tough, it's really tough to deal with in the Western world is like, okay, not only do you expect us to take your word as a, like just authoritative because of who you are, priest, bishop, whoever, right? But then you go and do something like this, molest a bunch of kids when you guys are the ones telling us that sex is bad, right? Apparently, uh, then like, how do you recover from that? Yeah. And then you see the providence of God and the popes that He's given us and mm-hmm. uh, the leadership. Um, and now in this new evangelization of, of people coming up that are saying, I don't want to be a priest. Like, for me, I don't want to be a priest because I'm going to get out of speeding tickets or free meals, you know, like the kind of perks that were fringe benefits of being a priest in the old days. when people just knew who you were and they thought being a priest is pretty cool. It's like being mayor or something. Like, you're just this kind of, uh, you have this mystique about you and you're a, kind of a pillar of the community. Now you walk around in clerics and people look at you like you are a criminal. Yeah. Um, or they at least look at you like you're weird and I don't know what to do with you. So, but at the same time, you still see see people's faith. Oh like, yeah. Uh, like that woman on the news. Like, you see Pope Francis, and it's not it's not just that he's a nice guy. It's that he's a pope and he's a nice guy. Right. You know, and that he loves you no matter what you do or say. Or how much you disagree with him. He's on your side. Are you ready? Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary It may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And peer down.